In this video, I'm going to be talking about my approach to acute kidney injury, or AKI, and it's going to be broken down into pre-renal, intra-renal, and post-renal. And we're going to be talking about the different causes and also the different types of AKIs as well. So I think the very first thing is really to break it down by cause. So within AKI, you can have pre-renal, intrinsic, and post-renal. Intrinsic also just intrarenal, so anything that can damage the kidney itself is going to be intrinsic. Pre-renal is going to be anything before the kidneys, and post-renal is going to be anything after the kidneys. That's the simplest way to approach this. And within intrinsics, you're going to have things that are going to damage the glomerulus. You're going to have things that are going to damage the interstitium or the tubular network, and also the vascular network. And we're going to talk about each one of these in a second, and kind of talk about what can cause different types of diseases within these categories. So the first thing is going to be pre-renal. So the way I like to think about this, I think pre-renal is probably the most simple uh, way of thinking of AKI, and it's pretty common as well. Really just think of anything that's going to decrease your intravascular volume. So things like dehydration is going to be the most common one that you're going to think of that's going to have a low uh, intravascular volume because you just don't have very much fluid in it. So dehydration, very big cause, as well as other things that are going to cause just in general of having low perfusion to the kidneys. If you have decreased cardiac output, you're not going to have as much flow to the kidneys if you're going to have cirrhosis as well. And if you have renal artery stenosis, you just not have enough flow going to the kidneys. So these are three other things that you can think of besides the most common of dehydration as, as cause of pre-renal disease. The next thing is going to be intrarenal disease. So anything within the kidney, and this is just a simple schematic to kind of just refresh our brains um, on what uh, the different aspects of the kidney are. So you're going to have the glomerulus, you're going to have the interstitium, which is going to be anything kind of in this outside part of the kidney. Uh, you can have the vascular network and the tubular network, which is going to be all of this right here, all this in yellow. Essentially, glomerular disease is going to be broken down into the nephrotic and nephritic. Those are probably the most common things that we can think of when we think of intrarenal diseases, going to be these two right here. So I'm going to reserve a separate slide to talk about nephrotic and nephritic in a second. Uh, here I'm going to actually talk about the different type of interstitial and tubular diseases, which remember essentially is anything damaged to anything out here and also any of the actual tubular network right here. So we often think of this as the same because tubular disease is going to cause damage and edema and inflammation to the interstitium. So we often talk about this as tubular interstitial disease. So anything when you damage the interstitium, you're going to be damaging the tubules. When you damage the tubules, you're going to damage the interstitium as well. So they're oftentimes affected together. I think that for a practical setting, when you're on the clinic, when you're on the wards, when you actually see real patients, there's no difference. There's not going to be a difference between tubular disease and interstitial disease. They're going to be thought of as one general process. And to be honest, you're going to think of all these things as the same thing as categories under intrarenal disease. But just for learning purposes, breaking it down into these three different categories is important. So how do you actually get tubular interstitial disease? You're going to either have injury to the tubules themselves, or you can have some type of inflammation to the tubules or interstitium. So all this out here. So what can cause injury to the tubules? We typically think of things that are going to be ischemic or toxic, like in acute tubular necrosis are going to be the co most common cause of damage to the tubules. So things like renal hypoperfusion is going to cause ischemia, nephrotoxins are going to cause damage to the tubules. And then when we think of 
damage to the interstitium, which is all this out here, we want to think of things like infections, toxins like contrast or myoglobin, and then different types of drugs like uh, aminoglycosides, cisplatin, amphotericin. Aminoglycosides is probably the most common one that you're going to be having to remember as common nephrotoxic disease. But if you imagine, there's many, many, many different causes of nephrotoxic, or there's many different nephrotoxic drugs. And this is just a common one that they like to test on, on boards, I would say. But there's plenty. You can think of plenty of different types of nephrotoxic drugs that aren't listed here. Um, and there's different types of vascular causes as well. So to supply all this tubular network and to supply the kidney as a whole, you can have vasculitis either to the greater arteries or the arterioles, or as well as the TTP and HUS and all the different types of vasculitis as well. So when we break down glomerular disease, um, I think this is probably the most common thing that we like to think about uh, when we're actually dealing with intrarenal disease is going to be nephritic. And I think the biggest takeaway points, the easiest way to remember it is going to be off of these two points right here is between the proteinuria and the hematuria. Really, the definition of nephrotic disease is going to have greater than 3.5 grams per day of protein uh, that's excreted in the urine. And you're going to have nephritic disease is, is going to be less. Hematuria is, uh, is kind of different. Is in both what we have always been taught is that nephritic has the presence of hematuria, and typically we think of nephrotic as not. But in actuality, you can have hematuria in both, but typically in nephritic, it's, it's much more. So I think that kind of the takeaway is the proteinuria is really where, where we make the definition. But I think that in addition to that, kind of the, the different casts and the different clinical features as well. So hypertension, edema, it's going to be seen in both, so it's going to be hard to be able to tell the difference. But in the cast, we're going to have fatty casts and nephrotic, and we're going to have RBC casts. Because remember, if you have some type of hematuria, you're going to have a buildup of all these red blood cells. So they're going to form casts, and you're going to have cola-colored urine, and that's going to lead to this hematuria. So you're going to have these RBC casts within nephritic syndrome and the fatty casts within nephrotic, because remember, there's a lot of lipids and fat uh, within nephrotic syndrome in addition to the proteinuria. So post-renal, I like to think of anything after the kidney. Uh, so pre-renal is everything before, intra-renal is everything within the kidney itself, and then post-renal is everything after the kidney. So you imagine after you get to the, the kidney, what do you have left? Well, you can have obstruction. You can have obstruction to anything downstream of the kidney, right? So if this is your kidney right here, you can have the ureters leading down to the bladder and then down below. So anything, you can essentially have a stone anywhere here. You could have a stone that can wind up right before the bladder. Um, or as well as BPH, if this, is a, if this is a man, you can have the prostate and you can have that being a cause of obstruction as well as different types of cancers, um, as well as strictures and neurogenic bladder. If your bladder is not functioning properly, you'll have, essentially you have an obstruction at this level and it'll kind of cause this backup above and that's how you can cause post-renal AKI. I think that probably the most common cause of an AKI, some type of obstruction due to BPH, is kind of the, the most common one that you can think of. So the last thing that we're going to be talking about is all the different labs within AKI. And I think this is probably the most difficult part about AKI is actually remembering all these different labs uh, because often these are the things that we utilize to actually differentiate between all the different types of kidney injury. So 
for me, the way that I like to think about it is more of just conceptualize it rather than try to memorize it. And the way that I break it down is essentially BUN creatine ratio as well as the phenol, the two things that I like to remember. Because if you remember the BUN creatine ratio for pre-renal disease is greater than 20 to 1. And if you remember the phenol is less than 1, everything else will kind of fall into place. When we think about phenol and urine sodium and urine osmolality, I like to think of those all very similarly in that they all have to do with sodium. Their main component all has to do with sodium and uh, as well as concentration. So if you can remember the BUN to creatine ratio in pre-renal disease is greater than 20 to 1, everything else is either normal or less than 20 to 1. And in pre-renal disease, for FINA, it's going to be less than 1 and, and all the other situations is typically going to be greater. Um, and it will make sense in a second why that is so that you don't have to necessarily memorize which one's high, which one's low. You'll just have to remember the numbers 20 to 1 and also 1. So the first thing is going to be BUN to creatine ratio. So the first thing that's important is that BUN and creatine, they're freely filtered by the glomerulus. So they can pass through the glomerulus just fine. Um, but the one thing that's different is creatinine is uh, the reabsorption remains the same. So no matter if it's going to be pre-renal or intrarenal or post-renal, you're always going to have, uh, or also in a normal situation, you're always going to have the same amount of creatinine absorbed or reabsorbed within the tubules. And it's pretty much going to be a fairly small amount, but that's not really important for this situation. It's the main fact is that it's always going to be the same. So the one thing that's regulating the BUN to creatine ratio is going to be the BUN. So urea reabsorption can be regulated. And the way that I like to think about this, this may not be how it actually is physiologically, is that when you have low intravascular volume, when you have dehydration, specifically in pre-renal disease, you're going to hold on to everything. You're going to hold on because you have more time to reabsorb. You want to hold on to all this urea so your BUN to creatine ratio is going to go up simply because the BUN is going to be up and the creatine is going to be the same. So that's how I like to think of uh, pre-renal disease specifically for BUN to creatinine ratio. And then FINA all has to do with sodium. So the one thing that we always have to remember is what happens with sodium. So when you have sodium, that goes back into the tubules when it gets reabsorbed, what follows? It's going to be water. The reason why we're going to have a high reabsorption of sodium is going to be because we want to increase our intravascular volume. So in pre-renal disease, we're going to increase our sodium, um, which means we're going to have lower sodium excreted. So what is our equation? So our equation for FINA, essentially, it's this big, long equation here. The only important part is taking this right here. The FINA equation, uh, when we have low intravascular volumes, we're going to take pre-renal as our, our core example, is the only thing we have to remember, and everything else is just everything else. So in pre-renal disease, when you have low intravascular volume, what does that mean? You're going to want to increase your plasma sodium because that means you're going to have higher uh, water content that's going to follow the sodium. And what does that mean for the excretion? That means that you're going to have lower sodium in your urine because if you're taking it out from the urine, and you're putting it back into your blood, you're taking the sodium out of your urine and putting it into your blood, that means your sodium is going to be high in your plasma and it's going to be lower in the urine because you're just not excreting as much. And this is going to make complete sense of why the FINA is going to be low. It's going to be less than one in pre-renal disease for this exact reason. We're holding on to sodium and we're excreting less. We're excreting less sodium in the urine. 
And that's going to be the second point. Urine sodium is going to be low. It's going to be low. We don't really have to memorize what the value is. It's just, it's low. It's lower than the other situations because of that exact point that I was trying to make. And finally, the urine osmolality. When we want to hold on to everything, when we want to hold on to all of our sodium and hold on to all of our water, water is going to follow in this pre-renal state because we're dehydrated. We want to hold on to all the water. So in that scenario, our urine osmolality is going to be high. Right, because where the where the water goes, everything else is going to be more concentrated. So if the water follows back into the plasma, that means everything else, which is the urine, is going to become more concentrated, and that's why the urine osmolality is going to be much higher. You can think of this as when you aren't drinking as much, your urine becomes darker; it becomes more concentrated. Osmolality is essentially just a function of concentration. So you don't have to necessarily memorize the exact numbers; just know that urine osmolality is high in prerenal disease. And like I mentioned before, really the only thing that I try to really put to memory is pre-renal disease. You think of pre-renal disease, everything else will fall into place because everything else is just the exact opposite. Pre-renal disease, dehydration, you're going to have a high BUN to creatine ratio and a low FENA because you're going to have low uh, sodium excretion in the urine. Uh, so hopefully that helps. Hopefully that gives you a good approach, at least from a clinical perspective of what you need to know for the different types of AKI. If you have any other input, have any other approaches to AKI, definitely let me know down in the comments below. Be sure to check out our website, medicalbasics.com, for more educational resources like our HP notebook. And don't forget to follow us here or on YouTube for more tips and lessons.